People in India in some of the hottest December climates at Christmas time sing dashing through the snow on a one-horse open sleigh. Someone, at some time, instilled this idea that Christmas and snow were synonymous. So much so that even today, with all the education that exists, many Christian homes in those same areas have fake snow as part of Christmas decorations. But you don't have to go to India to see that. Countries in Africa, places in Australia, even Southern California, it's the same way. How different is that from our sharing of the gospel? People living in sub-Saharan temperatures have been indoctrinated to believe only suits are permissible dress for preachers. Not the principle of modest clothing and respect for the service, but this cloning in evangelism. Jesus understood culture and the context of that culture in telling of the gospel. His parables are standard indicators for importance of the audience and the telling of the story. There's no one culture fits all approach to the gospel, to the sharing of the gospel. There's only one God who created diversity and a celebration of it so that all could worship him in spirit and the truth that sets us all free. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome to Sabbath School University. We have three guests here with us, and I'm going to invite you to give us your name, where you're from, and then I'm going to ask you to give me the one reason that would convince someone who's deciding whether or not they want to visit the place that you're from, that one reason that would convince them that they should go. My name's Nathaniel. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. The one reason, well, maybe some would say the museums, others would say the restaurants, uh, there's also this art competition that's pretty amazing that happens once a year. But for me, the one reason why I would go visit is this uh, Christian bookstore called Baker Bookhouse that has a used uh, book um, room in the back. All right. And maybe just because I'm a nerd, but I can spend hours back there looking and shopping for books. All right, all right. Hi, I'm Jenner Becerra. I am from Peru. And I will recommend you to come to to Peru for the fact that we have like the best food we have the best landscapes and we have Machu Picchu all right if you all go up there in that mountain and just look down you just be blown away have you been to Machu Picchu no <laughs> but it's I'm sure still an excellent reason to go there yes all right I'll go soon it's funny your advertising strategy <laughs> go ahead um, I'm Katie Tillotson Okay. And I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, and I would say probably uh, the reason you guys would want to visit Kentucky would be the beautiful landscape and the rolling mm. hills, uh, the fences that um, are all across uh, Kentucky with the beautiful horses. Excellent. Yeah, it's Excellent. beautiful. Uh, I, yeah, sounds like three places that I would like to visit at some point. I've been to Grand Rapids before. Um, I have not been to either of the other places, Peru <laughs> or Kentucky. Well, I've been to Kentucky, but not where you're from. Um, Jenner, I'm going to invite you to read our key texts and pray for us. Can you pray in Spanish? Yes, of All course. Right. Read, read our key texts, pray for us, and then we'll get into the lesson. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says, 
For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Mm. Let us pray. Bondadoso Jesús, te damos gracias por esta oportunidad de estar aquí y poder abrir tu palabra y hablar y, y disfrutar, Señor, de este momento. Te rogamos que tu Espíritu Santo esté con nosotros y así también por todos los que nos están viendo en este momento. Ayúdanos, Jesús, a hacerlo bien. En tu nombre oramos, en nombre de Jesús. Amén. 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 Now, this week we're talking about Thessalonica and Paul's day. And, well, the first question that I have for you is about slavery. When, the, when, the word, when you hear the word slavery or when you think about slavery, what thoughts immediately pop, pop into your mind? Um, I think about, <coughs> excuse me, um, people who may, who may be imprisoned or someone who might have a master or some authority or a prison guard. Okay. Um, slaves, they may have uh, work to do or a set of rules they may have to follow, mm -hmm. or restrictions, things that they cannot do, and okay. there may be consequences or uh, some punishments if they don't follow those rules. Okay. Wow. Okay. Is there, is there any particular point in history that your mind immediately jumps to when you hear, what's the first point in history that comes to your mind when you think slavery? Mm. Pre-Civil War America. Okay. Okay. And then second would be Egypt. Okay. And the whole, you know, exodus, okay. Okay. Jews leaving and Red yeah. Sea crossing. Yeah. So now, um, with this whole idea of slavery, the context of, of this word slavery, in, as it re relates to our lesson, is that Paul used this word slave. And he says that basically, I make myself a slave to others. When he says this, that he makes himself a slave to everyone for the sake of the gospel, how are we supposed to understand this? Hmm. Oh, yeah, I think that we need to go and understand what that word means in its original um, context. And okay. I think the word that, I mean, that, there's a verb, but the word doulos, uh -huh. I mean, we have, they could be servant, but could also be, you know, could be slave, but could also be servant. So okay. this idea of being a servant, mm -hmm. I think it resonates to me more than, than just slave. So if we have mm -hmm. these, both of them, then it makes more sense, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think of the servant also, you know, almost like a duty to serve. Mm. But it's our, that, that is something we have to do as slaves to others, a duty yeah. to serve. Yeah. So then, um, how does serving others uh, help the spreading of the gospel? I think that if we just, you know, tell people, like, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to do, you know, the Ten Commandments or you need to do this or that, mm -hmm. and you haven't actually, like, Ex given it like an example of yourself because Christ made it clear that you know love God and yeah. love to your neighbor love to your fellow man these two principles hang all the scripture that's right if you don't show the love to your fellow man but you want them to become your religion mm. you know it's almost hypocritical exactly yeah. so serving is a very good way to show love yeah. to your fellow man. Yeah, mm. definitely would be hypocritical, kind of like saying that you should go to Machu Picchu even <laughs> though you haven't been there. <laughs> um, now, the, the other question that I have is um, relating to Christian principles and our evangelistic approach. Now, we know that we want to associate with unbelievers. We don't want to just, uh, you know, throw the gospel out to them. We want to be friends with them and so forth. Now, how can we 
as Christians, maintain our principles while associating with unbelievers without you know, being affected by the negative mm. influences of maybe their, some of their lifestyle practices. Mm. I think this can probably be a difficult thing to do. Okay. I think it, there's surely examples in the Bible where uh, someone may have been called to serve uh, a, a certain community and they may have adopted some of the customs. Maybe you can help me with that. But uh, so I imagine this is a difficult thing to do. Hmm. Yeah, I think, um, why don't we go to that passage again, um, 1 Corinthians 9. Okay. Um, the continuation there, I think we pick it up on verse 20. Okay. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that mm -hmm. I might win the Jews to mm -hmm. those who are under mm -hmm. the law. As under the law that I might win those who are under the law to those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without toward law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. And to those that are weak, mm -hmm. I, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, mm -hmm. that I might by all means save some. That's right. But, I mean, what, why is Paul saying all that? I mean, is he actually becoming uh, a sinner? I mean, is he becoming hypocritical? I mean, what's going on? I mean, Nate, what do you think? Well, I'm thinking that you know, just because you become all things to all people, I don't think Paul means you literally become all things to all people because Paul couldn't become a woman. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, so, but he could relate. Mm -hmm. He could think of ways in which they have common ground. You know, if you go to a a context and you try to explain, you know, in the, in, when you were talking about India and snow, yeah. the first people, there's a time where it talks about righteousness as snow. Okay. You go down there and if they haven't seen it, if they haven't been by a mountain mm -hmm. and they haven't seen snow, you're going to have to think of a different illustration. You're going to have to find another context of white to explain it to them. So when Paul says that he's becoming all things and all people, I don't think he means that he in every single aspect becomes exactly like the culture he's okay. in. But at the same time, he's going to make sure that he doesn't do things that are offensive, things that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. He's trying to find ways to like bridge the culture gap yeah. to explain Jesus. Okay, so in a sense, it's about finding ways to relate. Yes. Go ahead. And I also think um, it's giving up his own rights. I mean, he has maybe, you know, extra stuff that he could be benefited from, but he's just giving up those in order for the spread of the gospel in order to help them. Okay. You know, that kind of idea, you know what I'm saying? Especially if it's offensive. Yeah. For example, mm -hmm. uh, my father likes cooking. He loves cooking. Uh -huh. But to him, if someone comes and helps in the kitchen, mm -hmm. the, they're saying to him, you don't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. My friend and her culture from the Middle East, if the if a woman enters the home and doesn't offer the help, mm -hmm. she is basically not doing her job. So she came to my house, my dad's cooking, she thought it would be offensive if she didn't offer help, uh. started helping, and my dad was offended. Uh. So, you know, what was wrong in her culture is right in my father's, and what was wrong in my father's is right in hers. Mm -hmm. So we have to be sensitive that there could be things that are non-essentials mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. could actually inhibit someone from taking mm -hmm. in the gospel mm -hmm. if we make them essential. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So is that, go ahead. Well, I... I was thinking then maybe where's that middle ground in the kitchen? You know, mm. do you do you go in and maybe you just take interest in what he's cooking first? Yeah. That's something I think of mm -hmm. to okay. finding that middle ground. It's that's difficult where you're bringing in two different uh, sets of um, ideas and uh, about cooking. And I think and ultimately being willing to say I'm sorry mm. as quickly as possible. Mm is the best thing you could do. As soon as you sense someone's offended, figure out why you offended them and realize, 
oh, I am sorry, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think we want to share the gospel so much that we might do it in a certain way, and it might be completely culturally offensive to somebody. Mm. And why hinder the work just to have a certain flavor, nuance to what's mm. being preached. Very true. Because I, I feel sometimes like we, we develop these cookie cutter approaches and we say, well, this has worked in this place. In this country, this is how evangelism works and, and it's very effective. And so then we take this approach and we drop it into an entirely new context and say, expect it to work miracles over here too. And then all of a sudden, you end up offending people, like you said. But Andrew, if we don't do that, then we can't write books and make money off of how to do evangelism. <laughs> so talk to me more about that then. Well, you know, sometimes something works in one place, mm -hmm. and then everyone flocks to it, and then we package it and market it and sell it to all the rest of the places okay. saying, this is how you do it. But it might only work in that town. Mm. I mean, it might not even work outside of the United States. It might not even work outside of the state or city that it's mm. being done in. And we sometimes people get so excited about how it's done instead of just relying on maybe the pastor just prayed for the Spirit, gave him wisdom for his town and his setting. Yeah. It worked there, mm. but all of a sudden it becomes this thing that we can package and market it to all the other churches mm. so that they can grow the same way mm. instead of praying for the God who mm. knows how to win the people in the particular context that they're in. Yeah. And it might not even work even mm. in the next town over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. It's easy to want to go to a book and find all the answers and um, yeah, um, for evangelism when really it's God who knows That's true. Well, how That's to true. do that. And, and, and no, no, the balance of my statement, it's not bad to read the book because okay. God can sure. obviously use these sure. books. Yeah. You know, different ideas can happen. But to sometimes help. I just think we get some model and some, you know, little trick that's going to, you know, be this cure-all mm -hmm. for all our evangelism woes, and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's not bad to read the books and get ideas and gather information, yeah. but it's still something. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if I think of languages, you know, object, you know, be Hebrew, Greek, whatever, Spanish, English, I mean, we always have exceptions in everything. Okay. You know, I mean, yes. nothing is just set in stone. So I think the same way happens with evangelism. And many other facets in our church, we just cannot have, okay, one, you know, thing, and that's it. Mm -hmm. We just have to every every perhaps division or anything you know we work differently that's right that's right so talk to me now jenner katie what what examples have you seen in the life of jesus in the life of paul maybe the approaches that they used that they had this mindset that they were mindful of people's cultures and people's backgrounds and and that they use you know some of this method that you're talking about to relate to people hmm. Hmm. Nate, jump into it if, if, you, if you have anything. Oh, let me see. Hmm. Well, well, it's interesting. Jesus, mm -hmm. just in, you know, John 3 and John 4. John 3, he meets with a mm -hmm. guy who's like embarrassed. Yes. So he meets one-on-one -on -one Nicodemus. At Nicodemus. Yes. Meets with him, you know, at night, you know, doesn't like call him out, mm -hmm. like in a direct way as far as making a public spectacle. He still calls him out on what he is wrong, but okay. he allows to meet with him because he knows he's embarrassed and still sensitive and tender with him. But then he meets with the woman at the well uh -huh. in like the middle of the day, even though the middle of the day was still another place where she could have a private one-on-one -on -one con mm -hmm. you know, context. But if you look at both of those stories and you go back and forth, he treats each one of those very differently. He doesn't say the same thing. He doesn't say the exact same thing mm -hmm. to the woman at the well as he did 
to Nicodemus. Yeah. He couches, he says almost the same truth, but couching it in different language. I really like mm. that point. And you know, if you think of some of the metaphors that Paul uses when he's talking to different people, you know, sometimes he talks about adoption. And sometimes he talks about the leaven and the lump, you know, and you think about Jesus and you just in, in Matthew chapter 13 alone, the list of metaphors that he uses, he talks about the dragnet and the fish. He talks about the treasure the, and he talks about a great pearl. He talks about the, the sower and all the seeds and he uses all these different metaphors to, you know, bring the gospel in, an, in a way that is, you know, that the people can relate to. And I think that's very mm. important. And I think, in a sense, that is the same principle that you're each bringing out here, that we have to be mindful of where people are coming from and that we have mm. to be able to package the gospel in a way that they can relate to it. Uh, now, quite, uh, the fourth question that I have for you today is, is um, uh, perhaps a little tricky. How does the current local or, or you know, even national political situation affect the way that, that the work happens in the church. It's kind of interesting. The, the word local just struck my mind. Mm -hmm. Being from Grand Rapids, there's this internet um, map of Michigan and says the geography according to Michigander and has different parts of Michigan, you know, the mitten, all labeled. Mm -hmm. Where I'm from, it's called the Bible Belt. And so growing up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, like, I don't know what the percentage, but it felt like 99% of the population of Grand Rapids was, you know, conservative, Republican, Christian. Okay. I, of course, was raised not that way. And so I felt like you had to be Republican to be a Christian. Mm. And so even though later on I grew, grew up and I started realizing that political parties, I think, sometimes can be dangerous because it can make you think in a box, okay. even in the national realm that might not be correct problem solving like not every republican belief might be right and not every democrat belief might be right okay. and what happens is sometimes because we're so passionate about our politics we will take the political party and it will shape the way we read scripture mm. wow and i would read it one way my best friend read it another way and we would fight and argue mm. and get into disagreements and it had nothing to do with the scriptures it had everything to do with our political bents oh. I praise God that the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts and we would start saying wait a minute you're right on that point wait a minute you're right on that point and we started to say we need to not just form parties but we need to start looking at the issues individually and filter them through the scripture mm. and not filter the scripture through the political issues okay. And so it can be very tricky because if you go and you speak something that's very true in the scripture and you're in an area that's very Republican or very Democrat or if you're in a world context, a different political party yeah. that thinks a different way and you say something that's true in scripture but that goes against their political ideology, it can be very difficult to mm. overcome because what should you do? Should you take the truth of scripture and submit it to the political party yeah. or do you let the you know political party be prophetically rebuked by the scripture. Okay. It's a tough situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, to what degree is God at work uh, outside of the Christian context in our world here today? Mm. It's kind of interesting that one time I was um, giving a, I was going around looking for Bible studies mm -hmm. and I met this young lady who was interested in a particular world religion that I was interested in. Okay. And so we started talking and I was trying to find these commonalities. And so I talked about, hey, are you a vegetarian? 
And she was like, yes, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, did you know there's principles for vegetarian in the Bible? Mm. You know, it doesn't say that you have to be, mm. but there is principles that show that it is like the ideal way to eat. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And so I went through and I showed in Genesis how it shows that they were originally vegetarian and uh -huh. just kind of did a, from Genesis to Revelation, idea of, you know, the, what where flesh food came in and okay. just showed her how, listen, if the wolf and the, and the lamb are playing together, there's yeah. going to be no flesh eating in heaven. Uh -huh. And you show how it's going to be restored. And then I was just finding, you know, more commonality. And she was like, interesting. And I said, listen, I think there's other principles. And I was sharing with her other principles that were very true in her mm -hmm. religion. Mm -hmm. But I said, it's, and then I went to the one little difference. I just kind of plugged this in. I said, listen, the difference between our two religions is that you're doing it on your own. Mm. And it, I, I, that's a very noble thing because the things that you're trying to do are very noble. Mm -hmm. But don't you get discouraged? Don't you want help? Mm. And I said, the difference between my religion and your religion that I don't think is a bad thing is that I can pray to Jesus and that he's going to help me do what you want to do. Mm. And so pick up the scriptures and try checking it out and looking for the things that you like in, the, in this particular setting and see if they're there before you throw out what, mm. you know, maybe the radio has told you that Christianity is. Yeah. Go to the source yeah. and see. For sure. Now, Jenner, when you look at the world and uh, you, you see, you, perhaps you see a lot of evil, perhaps mm -hmm. you see some good. Um, maybe even a lot of good in some, some individuals. Uh, how can you, in your evangelistic efforts, in your own personal witnessing, how can you, you know, use that for the glory of God? When you're talking to someone and you see, you know, you know something good in that person, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily a Christian, how can, how can you use that in your evangelism with that person? Hmm. You know, or Katie, if you have any thoughts too. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. What, Clarify uh, for uh, me. Uh, maybe I'll answer yeah, my, maybe I'll answer my, my own question. Or maybe <laughs> like, I'll try to answer my different own words. question. Well, um, wait, are you meaning that you see somebody that's doing something good uh -huh. and then you want to use that? Yeah, because, I mean, it. all things that are good are from God. Like, get a more know. specific example. Let's say you see somebody that's not a Christian. Yeah, give me an illustration. Okay, so maybe maybe they make a big deal about not lying. And they think, you know, I would never lie because that, that is just horrible. Wow. And, but, you know, they're not practicing a Christian lifestyle. You know, how can you, you know, maybe acknowledge that fact and, and, and you know, build some commonality or, you know, how can you use that in your own personal way? Well, so when you see so good in the world. I think the same way that, mm -hmm. you know, he asked the, the lady if she was a vegetarian, I think I will come and say, hey, you know, that, that principle is a biblical principle. Mm. Why don't we study it and, mm -hmm. you know, go through the Bible and and find it, hey, you know, it's, it's here, you know, yeah. hey, you didn't get it from anyone, like, where do you get it from? Mm. Are you borrowing it from, from us, from yeah. Christians, you know, kind of a thing? Yeah. Well, maybe that person is some type of Christian. I mean, like that example, would, would she be a Christian or, 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 or not? I think you could even be, maybe even so bold to say, do you think that, you know, God might be leading you mm. in huh. some way? That you know, like... Like, where, where, why do you think you mm. believe that? Yeah. And you haven't read mm. the Bible. What, who's mm. been telling you that? Where did you get that from? And mm. just asking those types of questions might like, hmm, I don't know. That's exactly kind of where I was wanting to go. Because, mm. I mean, I really believe that God is at work in every person's life. 
Even, mm-hmm. even though may, they may have never heard of Jesus ever before, God is wanting for the gospel to reach that person. And even before the Bible actually gets that person, even before any missionary ever gets that person, I believe that God is somehow working in their life. And that um, the things that perhaps the, the moral issues that they are firm on, God is perhaps working in their life in that sense. And it's important for us in our evangelism to notice where God has already been working. Mm-hmm. And be able to use and, 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 and you know use that along with with what God is impressing us to do, and recognize that hey, this is not a work that we are pioneering. That God has been here in this person's life, and maybe they've been rejecting God before, but you have to recognize that God has a work that He's been doing in that person's yeah. life. I think even a greater way mm. is that they actually might be keeping certain things that are found in the Scripture better than we are. That's right. So not only are we going to teach them, when we are teaching them, they might actually mm. be teaching yeah. us because we'll be teaching the scriptures and then we see them living mm-hmm. a certain way in which they're doing it better than us or they are actually, we don't even see it until we meet them. Yeah. So I think sometimes in this witnessing thing, it's not one-sided. Yeah. We could be meeting with a complete mocker of Christianity mm. and that they're open finally to study and they start pointing out things that are hypocrisy and things that are unjust that Christians do, mm-hmm. and that instead of getting defensive, it might actually cause us to grow and become better mm-hmm. because our blind spots will be exposed. Exactly. And things that in our community will not be exposed because we're all doing them. Yeah, yeah. And you know, in a sense, it's a two-way street. And so not only are they learning from you, you can also learn from them. And I just wanted to bring out this one scripture, Romans chapter 2 and verse 14. The Bible says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law, this is verse 15, written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between them th- themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. And, and the Bible is pretty clear that God does work in the lives of people who may not have even had Scripture revealed to them or, or given to them. And, um, and yeah, God definitely does work in people's lives. Um, now, as we're closing, I want to know what immediate and concrete things we can do to help people adjust to their new life in Christ. If you could give me a very brief answer as we're mm-hmm. about to close. When I think of that question, I, I mean, I kind of piggyback from the, from the verse that we were just reading in, in Corinthians, you know, I mean, this idea of just becoming their friends, you know, I mean, just, just, just tight friends with them, okay. and uh, from there we can, you know, establish something big, and, you know, we, we get some kind of idea of, um, this reciprocity, reci- yeah, reciprocity, reciprocity yeah. of learning and, and taking away kind of a thing, and slowly mm-hmm. they take some from us and we take some from them, and mm-hmm. it's kind of just this process of a relationship. I think like I think a relationship is everything it takes in this in this case. Sure. I, I agree. I agree. The relationship and the support and the encouragement and building that community mm-hmm. with the, with those. Um, with these new believers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just sure. doing stuff with them, you know, I mean, cooking, you know, going outside, <laughs> playing sports and, and, and building a relationship. And showing sportsmanship in a game, you know? Yeah. So, building relationships, excellent. Now, I had a really good time discussing the lesson with you. We're out of time, so we're going to have to go. But thank you very much. Thank you. 
If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, .org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Andrew Campbell, and we'll see you next week.